we've been in the middle of a series uh, called Unusual. And, and we were talking about unusual blessings and unusual victory and unusual faith. And then Pastor Josh was going to preach unusual healing. And then I was going to come back today and preach unusual forgiveness. However, we've had something unusual happen. Amen. And so um, today I asked the Lord, you know, what, well, actually last week in the middle of all this chaos and everything, I asked the Lord what it is that you want me to speak on. And we gathered our staff together and, and we began to brainstorm. And uh, Brother Ken brought up he's, you know, compassion, unusual compassion. And I got thinking, man, maybe I can build a message around compassion. If you can't build one around compassion, you might ought to quit. Amen. And so today I want to talk with you about unusual compassion. And um, can we just, if you will, just lift your hands right now and just thank the Lord for being here. Just bless the Lord that, and be thankful for what we have. Amen? Someone says, well, Pastor, you just don't know. We've lost it all. No, no. You've still got your life. You, you, you're still here. Amen? Things can be replaced. Amen. I'll take you to some scripture in just a moment, but let me first of all take just a moment to say how proud I am to lead such great people. I have never seen such compassion in my life as what has been poured out among our people. That uh, people that have volunteered, just uh, day before yesterday, we had more than 30 volunteers that worked here at the church all day long till dark, uh, till after dark, and then cleaned the building up after they loaded everything up in a box truck, cleaned the church to make it presentable so we could have church today. And I just give the Lord praise. Can you just give the Lord praise for such compassion? And I have worked with and seen folks that have been so compassionate and so giving to others, yet their own yard hadn't been cleaned, yet their own house hadn't been fixed, but they were in the middle of giving back to other people. So if the Lord will help me, I want to share this message with you, and um, then we'll receive our offering at the end, ushers, so um, don't worry about that. But when we get there, when we get to the offering time, all of our offering today is going to go directly to victims. Let me tell you something. I don't know what we're up to right now. The last time I heard was somewhere around $2,000. The night after um, we sort of got our head back on straight, we launched um, uh, a campaign or a, a, a page. It's kind of like GoFundMe, except nobody gets a cut out of it. It goes all uh, to the victims. And uh, we, we launched Text to Give. Um, we promoted that Text to Give, you know, for Irma. And by, in just a couple hours, about $700 had come in. I woke up, about $1,700 had come in. And uh, the last I heard, we were around $2,000 or a little over. I don't know where it's at. I do know this. I want to know, I want you to know that you're a, a giving and a compassionate people. I want you to know the church, without regard to, I, I don't, I didn't even know where we stood, but we said we will open our doors immediately speaking with uh, the emergency management agency, of course, we didn't have power here. When I pulled up here, it looked like a lake. The water was running across Coleraine Road. It was, I, I didn't know what I'd find when I come in here. 
Thank God we didn't sustain any water damage to speak of uh, in the building. And um, we have had crews every single day removing and clean, debris and cleaning more than 20 yards of debris. Some of it was simple in 30 or 40 minutes, but some of it was, was quite a bit. And my heart goes out uh, to you who helped us and who, uh, who set your own things aside and just pushed on. Not only did you cut trees, some of you uh, went into homes. And, and I'll talk about a little bit of that in just a moment. So let me talk to you this morning about unusual compassion. And uh, I, I want to just take, if I may, I want to read a passage of Scripture. It comes out of Matthew chapter 9. And I want to read just a few verses of Scripture, and then we'll talk about it. Matthew 9 and 35 he said, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And watch this. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So, so what Jesus says, he's got his disciples out here, and he's going through the towns and the villages and the synagogues, and they're proclaiming the good news. They're proclaiming the gospel. By the way, the gospel is the life of Jesus. Uh, because of our sin, he came he lived, he died, he rose again so that you and I could receive forgiveness of our sins and not have to go to hell. Amen. That is the gospel in a nutshell. It is the good news that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He said that Jesus was preaching these things and they were teaching these things and he looked out at a crowd that was harassed and they were helpless. Now what were they harassed by? It wasn't Irma in that day. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that had put so much of a yoke upon them and they, they were struggling as to what to believe and how to fulfill this burdensome you know, task that's put upon us. But nonetheless, Jesus looked at them and said they looked like a sheep with no shepherd. They seemed to be harassed and they seemed to be helpless. And the Bible said he had compassion on them. I want you to know we serve a God of unusual compassion. And I want you to know today, you know, last Sunday, this very time, I was sitting at home, you know, had the generator ready, had the extension cords all ready, had things set up, you know, because we've, we've done this drill many a time, and you never know. Although it was inevitable to me, I knew we were going to lose power. I just didn't know how long. Turned out for us, it was about 70 hours. But you know what? Never one time did I complain and say, you know what, I, I just hate the Georgia Power. They're working so slow. I was grateful to God. In fact, I often reminded my family, I said, hey, we got a generator. This ain't no more than going to Guatemala for a week. Lights are kind of dim. Water may or may not be. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, of course, the water was gone for the most of that time as well. But, but we were truly blessed. But here's what I looked around and saw, and I believe you can join me in saying the people are hurting. We looked around, and many of these people don't know the Lord. 
And, and for some folks, some, some folks of the church, they feel like we ought to just bash them with the gospel and say, get saved or you're going to go to hell. While that is true, it's not time to say it like that. The time to say it like this is with a hot piece of chicken or a cold piece. Hello? With a tomato sandwich, huh? Or with a mop in your hand or whatever it is. See, first we have to minister to the physical and the basic needs of humanity, and then that opens the door and gives us the right to speak into things spiritual. Let me ask you, how did it affect you? For me, I got up, you know, I mean, um, that night a lot of wind and whatever. Went outside, I found a couple good-sized trees down in my yard. Everything else was okay. Everything was cool. When the power come back on, I went outside, turned the generator off, said, praise God, thank God we got power, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the extent of my damage, other than a real messy house from wandering around in the dark and, all, you know, all of those things, trying to light oil lamps and whatever. But however, I took a drive around, and I began to get out. And one of the things I saw, I went into the meadows, and I, I, I turned right, and I began to see all kind of devastation. I saw beds and mattresses and box springs and furnishings put out on the curb. I saw the grass where, you know, the water had just run through like a river. I went into some homes where sewage backed up so deep. And I thought to myself, my, my, we really fared good at my place. One particular, there was a number of uh, our church folks are just going over and beyond. One, I know of just one that served over more than 200 meals, and that was a few days ago. Someone else handed me gift cards, a, a stack of gift cards, $50 each, and said, let's help some people. I had the personal opportunity to hand people a couple of gift cards and, uh, and, and say, we just love you. And we're praying for you, we're believing for you. But one, one moved me particularly because I went and everything was set on the road. Everything is gutted. The house is just waiting to be uh, totally gutted and rebuilt. There's a box right here and the guy said, that's my boy, he's a year and a half old. That's his clothes, that's all he's got. Sopping wet, every one of them. Don't have no clothes, don't have no diapers, don't have no wipes, everything's gone. And we immediately... Of course, when you got your wife and some of the women of the church, they immediately go into hyper-mom mode when, when babies need clothes. Amen? And, and I mean, they'll go and steal them if they have to, but they're going to get the baby some clothes. <laughs> and so I'm so thankful, man. The church rose up. And uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but we're partnering with a church out of Norcross, Georgia. And we've got six houses that'll start next Saturday where we're going to gut all the sheetrock, all the flooring, all the baseboards, and it is not going to cost the homeowner one dime. It'll prepare it just like Pro would for the contractor to come in and, and, and do everything. Not only that, we're working uh, with the help of uh, our youth pastor, Brother Blake. He secured 4,000 square foot warehouse on yesterday. We're going to store some furniture. Uh, God's helping us. We're going to bring uh, at least a truckload of furniture to Camden County. We're going to do some more things. Uh, I have some things I can't speak of yet because it's not firm, but I feel certain that it's going to happen to help long days after. You see, because there's a danger when we get our power back on and we go back to work and our cars crank 
it's kind of easy to forget that we even had a tragedy. If that's the case, I want, you, I want to urge you to just go through some of these subdivisions, go through the vines or Lake Vines, go through Wolf Bay, go through the meadows to the right, go through Flea Hill. Sister Beth, just as late as yesterday, had water still three or four feet. So, matter of fact, let me just show you a few pics. We've got a few pics of some things. Not only is this damaged, but this is some of the, the work that got done. I, I was at this house yesterday. Thank God they were not home. Um, so many. We can just scroll kind of quickly through there if you can. Uh, stuff like that, we were just doing. Trees down. Obviously, that's the waterfront there. Could you imagine? When I drove out this way and I looked into the meadows and I went, looked into Woodhaven, Woodhaven's another distraught, a pastor from Hidden Treasures. We went to his house uh, to try to help them. And just like any great pastor said, man, offer that to somebody else that needs it. We're, we're going to be good. So there's so much devastation. Um, but here's what we need to know, uh, that the people are desperate and the people are hurting. And, and it's important to know that because if we're not careful, we can just get back to, you know, things as usual because we didn't sustain a whole lot of damage. But let me say this, your neighbors did. It's especially true when a few days go by and we only had a few limbs down in our yard or we were only out of power and water for a couple of days and I wasn't able to get to Chick-fil-A. Or, you know, I didn't get my nails done or my hair done or something like that. It's easy to get right back to normal and just go on and, and forget about everybody else. But if we're not careful, we as Christians, if we're not careful, we as the church can miss a golden opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ and, and to share this gospel with them in this time of need. But let me ask you this. Didn't it feel good, brothers and sisters, when you took a meal to someone when you saw their face light up, when you took clothes, amen, didn't that feel good? We put the word out a few nights ago that there would be a, a giveaway here at the harbor. My wife called me and said, you ain't going to believe this place. We are inundated. We are overwhelmed. And I got to say thank you. And I'm not even going to try to call names for all these women and men that came to organize that because the foyer and all the, the rooms in the back and all of that, I'm telling you, literally thousands and thousands of dollars was given away in mops and brooms and buckets and bleach and you just named clothes and shoes and on and on. It was crazy. It was like a madhouse. But to see people come in here and walk out with two bags, going back home to help clean, you know, to clean their house, and, and it was just incredible. Give the Lord praise for that. Amen. That was amazing, and, and we were doing everything we could do to help them and to, to, uh, to feed them and to look after them and partnering with other churches, and not only that, but the debris removal, and not only that, going from home to home, and we had some homes uh, where we went uh, elderly uh, that, that could not gut their house. The lady spoke to me and said, this was the house that Adam was talking about a moment ago, where she said, we serve a good, good Father, we have a good God. She said, Pastor, I was laying in my bed asleep. And she said, when I got up the next morning, I put my foot down and water was over my ankles. And I heard it splash and I knew I was in trouble. And um, 
But we were able to go in there, and these brothers, let me tell you something, we moved boxes after boxes and washers and dryers and took out freezers that was full of spoiled food. Y'all hear me? Uh, so God has helped us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. But I want to tell you something. For me, it felt so good to look into their eyes and to say, you're not forgotten, but Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. To look into their eyes and say, if you need diapers, we'll get diapers. I, you say, well, Pastor, where's all this coming from? I don't know. You can only do so much. I understand that, but uh, someone called me and said, you know, there, here's another tragic story. That one with the clothes with the little boy that was soaking wet. Where are y'all staying at? Well, we've opened up the roof, and we put a piece of plywood up there, and we're laying on a piece of plywood in the attic. Are you with me? I think we've done pretty good for the most part. I know some of you may be here that was really devastated, but I look at myself and say, you know what, we've done pretty good. So what is it, Pastor, that you're asking me the wake of all of this? And I'll tell you, it's this. It's to show unusual compassion. And some of you did. I had another man who, who walked in. Not only did someone hand me a stack of gift cards, but I had someone else that, that just stood in the foyer with me watching people go by, picking up supplies. I don't even know them, really. Tears streamed down their face. Before he left, he took out three $100 bills and handed it to me and said, put that to the effort to help people that don't have anything. Amen. So people are just opening their homes and they're opening their hearts and they're opening, you know, everything. So let me get back to my story. Jesus went through there and he saw the crowd was harassed and the people were in trouble and he had compassion on them. Because they looked like a, a, a sheep with no shepherd. They, they looked like they needed help. They looked like they needed guidance. And then he said to his people, he said, when, when you look out and you see people like this, he said, I'm telling you, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ripe. He said, when people are so devastated like this and they're hurting people, a sheep with no shepherd, he said, the harvest is plentiful right now, but we just need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send us some more workers, in our case, to pass out brooms, to pass out water, to cook a meal, to sweep a yard, to do something. Are you we'll go further. Philippians tells me in chapter 2, he said, therefore, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any common sharing in the spirit, if there's any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, Paul says to the Philippians, by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in the spirit and one in the mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, we don't serve the people out of selfish ambition. We don't serve them for what we can get back. We don't serve them because Channel 4 is watching. We serve them because they are the creature that God created. So he said, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking unto your own interest but each of you to the interest of the others. And I think about that. One day we had as many as 24 uh, men and women that was helping us go remove debris from, we, we, we initially went with our elderly, our seniors, our handicapped, those that were shut in that could not. And uh, so for those of you, how did we come about that? We went into fellowship and ran a report for those born prior to 1956. So if we didn't get to you, you might have lied about your age to try to say you were younger. I don't know if you did or not. I'm just 
<laughs> uh, but, but anyway, we ran that report. And, and, but what I'm saying, these people came out and they worked for hours and uh, had not even cleaned their own yards, many of them. So let me move on. Uh, in 1 John 3, 16 through 18, he says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17. Watch this now. This one's going to sting a bit, but it's where we are. He said, if anyone has material possessions, what is that? A house, a boat, a car, a fishing pole. Uh, whatever. If we have any material possessions and we see a brother or sister in need and have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I didn't know it was in there, Pastor. Well, you do now. Amen. So I say to us as a church, and listen, I say this in a great way because you have given. You have served. I mean, I know that. But he says, if we have the material possessions and we see our brothers and sisters in need and we have no pity on them, how can the love of God dwell in us? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action. So what I'm saying today is this. I have heard so many, and I've been guilty myself of saying, our thoughts and prayers are with you. But I want to take it a step further today and say not only is our thoughts and our prayers with you, but our money and our resources and our efforts are with you as well. Not just thinking about it, not just praying about it, but doing something about it. So many of you have served in other capacities. I, I've seen some of you on Facebook and Twitter and various places. You've served. Someone said, well, I'm serving at the Red Cross. I'm serving at the Salvation Army. Hey, we've linked with all of them. I'm serving at First Baptist. I'm serving at Christ Church. Doesn't matter. Just serve. Now, obviously, we're trying to do a concerted effort out of our church, as are many others, and for our community, but, but we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we go a step further in Philippians 2. Now, this right here is important. I want to, I, I got to throw this in here as I try to tie this up and get us to where we need to be. Um, it's important for us to put our hand to the plow. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. Because Jesus didn't talk about saving people. He went to Calvary to save people. He prayed and he asked his father, is there another way? But he said, nevertheless, Lord, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Amen. And he set his face like a flint and he endured that beating and he endured all of that for us. And so what I'm saying is right now I'm challenging the harbor for us to, yes, we will pray. Yes, we will have faith for them. And yes, we will think about them. But more than thinking and praying and having faith, we will also say, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to work. I'm willing to give. Whatever it takes, that's what I'm willing to do. You see, Philippians 2.14 says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Let me tell you what I know about work. What work will do is when you get hot and you get tired and you get fatigued, pretty soon you start losing that edge of, of gentleness and kindness 
It's kind of like somebody who's carrying something real heavy. And, you know, people behind you are taking their sweet little time driving Miss Daisy to get out of the way. And you got 500 pounds right here. And, and you want to say, gentlemen, would you please hurry up? But you can't say it like that. You just got to say, move! Get out of the way! You understand? You don't mean to, but, but, but it happens like that. Sometimes I'm not trying to excuse it because when you get it all set down, you got to go back and say, man, I didn't mean to blow your ear bobs out while I was screaming so loud, but, but I was under a heavy load. Are you with me? So it's easy for us to grumble and argue, um, but listen, one of the greatest things we can do is remember the compassion of Jesus. I know... I know when we work a long day and we work a long hour and we're struggling and we haven't, many of you come and you didn't even eat yourself most of the day. You're just serving, serving, serving. And the phone call comes in. Hey, let me apologize real quick, if I may, because my phone has been blowing up. <clears throat> and I've had so many messages. And now, you know what I hate about Messenger? Because when I click on it, now you know I read it. Well, Pastor read this. I, I messaged him 14 hours ago, but so did 15 other people. And so we try to work through that, and man, my phone has been inundated. The churches has been inundated, and you movers and shakers, those working, and you know, we're trying to get one thing done, and the Salvation Army calls and says, can you do this? And emergency management calls and said, can you do that? And somebody else calls, and you try to do everything, and you can't do it all, but what you do, you want to do well. So I'm so grateful. So please have some understanding and compassion with your brothers and your sisters and your pastor when it comes to that. So do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Um, and I want to close with a story that comes out of Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, we find a... Uh, let me just read this real quick, and as I read it, I'll, I'll come back and commentate. It said... On occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, and he says, Teacher, he asked, what is it that I must do to inherit eternal life? And he said, uh, what is written in the law? And he replied, and he said, how do you read it? And he answered, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because you and I would, you know, readily agree, we love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our strength, and our soul, and all this. And Jesus said, well, you've done all that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. He asked Jesus another question. He said, well, then who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So like right now in Irma, are we talking about just the person to the right and the left of us? No. So Jesus tells this story and he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers that stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came by the place, he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Y'all remember what a Samaritan was, a half-breed Jew. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. That means he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged him up, and he gave him uh, to the innkeeper. Uh, excuse me. He, he bandaged his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. He put the man on his own donkey. 
How about that? That meant he had to walk. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, look after him and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three uh, do you think were neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus just simply told him, go and do likewise. So while it would be simple enough for me to just tell you to go and do likewise, to go and have compassion and go and be merciful, while I would love to just say it like that, you know I can't. So here's what happened. This this guy is going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and I can't remember how many miles that is, but they called it the Bloody Pass because it is where robbers and looters hung out, and when the sun set and they were going down this winding road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, they would ambush somebody, they would wound them, and they would take their belongings and everything they had with them. And as they took everything they had, they would leave them sometimes fatally wounded. And there they lay. So on this occasion, this man traveled from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and they, these robbers got him, and they, they beat him and left him for dead, took everything he had. And a priest come by. Now, you know a priest is supposed to represent the church. The priest come by. He sees him there, and he decides to just ease on over to this side of the road and walk on. It'd be easy to do today. You could walk around some of these neighborhoods, and it'd be easy to just sort of turn your head and look the other way and keep driving or just keep on going. It'd be easy this morning to say, I've been faithful, yada, 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 and just and roll on. Then a Levite came. Now, who's a Levite? Guess what? The tribe of Levi is where the priests came from. The tribe of Levi was the ones who worked and prepared the sacrifices and worked the altars, the church, and so on and so forth. So a Levite comes by, and he sees the wounded man, and he sort of skirts around him on this side two great representatives of the church of the highest order it seems that could have done what anybody could have done and we would have most assuredly expected it out of a priest and a Levite they didn't do nothing now they may have thought well if I touch him I'm going to be ceremonially unclean I believe if we study that out we'll find that as an excuse because when life and limb is in danger, you know what I'm saying? You, you remember when David went to the house of God and he ate some of the showbread that, that, that you weren't supposed to eat of? David basically said, you know, it, it, you know, there comes a time. You know, we don't supposed to break the laws, but there are times. I mean, normally you don't ride a motorboat down the middle of the street, but in times like these, People put canoes and kayaks and flat-bottom boats and whatever. You know why? Because 
You just got to do what you got to do. But anyway, back to my story. Here's this man left for dead. He has nothing. He's going to die. Priest passed by on one side. Levite passed by on the other side. And then a Samaritan happens to come by, the half-breed, the guy that don't fit in, the, the guy that's an outcast of society. He comes by and rushes over to him, gets off of his donkey, kneels down. I'm sure he turns him up and, and looks him in the eyes and probably says, Sir, are you okay? Can, can, can you hear me? Can you see me? Do you know where you're at? All those questions that you ask. And he reached back to his own saddlebags and got his own oil and his own drink. And he, he gave him something. And he took care of him. And could you imagine, are you able to set up now? And he finally got him up. Can you help me? And he put his arm around him and he got him over to his own donkey. And he got him up on his own animal. And he'd go around and grab the rope and lead the animal on down to Jericho. And when they got there, they went into the inn, and he said, this guy's been really hurt. He's been wounded. He needs some time to heal and recover. I'm going to give you a few days. And so he paid the, the innkeeper, and he said, but if he needs any more, if he needs something while I'm gone, if you'll just put it on my bill when I come back by, I'll pay it. That's incredible, isn't it? So let me just show you. Here's how it was. The robbers had an attitude kind of like this. They was kind of like those who broke into shoe stores and stealing the shoes and broke into the department stores stealing goods and even some of them tried to steal a light pole. Can you imagine? <clears throat> looters. Crazy, but looters. And their attitude was kind of like the attitude of these robbers that said, what's his is mine and I'm going to take it. That's kind of their attitude. What's his is mine, and I'm going to take it. And that's the attitude of everybody who loots someone's house while they're going through such a devastating situation. What's, what's theirs is mine, and I'm going to take it. <clears throat> and then the priests and the Levites come by, and they had a different attitude. One went on this side, and one went on that side, and it's kind of like what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And if you're not careful, we could have that same attitude today because we've made it, we're okay, our power's back on and everything's hunky-dory with us and we go back to work tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. And what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. That's what the Levites and the priests did. But a Samaritan come along with a different attitude. and When he saw him, he said, you know what? What's mine is his and I'm going to share it. And he was the one that Jesus highlighted in the story because that guy said, I've done all these other things. And Jesus said, well, which one was neighbor to him that fell among thieves? He said, well, the one that had compassion, the one that showed mercy. Jesus said, go do likewise. So here's what I want you to do. This is kind of the altar call. Today, we've designated all of our funds outside of tithe. Obviously, you bring your tithe. That's how we do the things that we do. So our, our, our tithe is one thing. But, and you know something? It's amazing. The last time we met, the last time we met, our church just gave $6,300 to Houston. That's right. The last time we met, two weeks ago, we mailed that check on Tuesday. 
And then by Friday, Irma was in route. Are y'all with me? And so, you know what? You say, well, Pastor, we should have held on to that. No, we shouldn't. We sent two truckloads and then some. You know why? Because anytime you close your fist and clench your fist and say, what's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it, God does not bless that. Let me tell y'all what is the, uh, God's truth, and I don't know how, I don't know how it works. I can't tell you, I, I can't find a math book that can explain it or a calculator, but there is a principle that Jesus told us. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give unto your bosom. I don't understand how that whatever I make, I bring God the 10%. That's what tithe means, 10%. I bring him the tithe. I have the 90% left over. I really don't have that because I give offerings too. And so, but say I have 85% you know, percent left over. Lo and behold, how does that go further than 100%? You tell me that, Mr. Mathematician. I don't know. But I can tell you this. It works, and it works every time. When the Lord says, give, and it shall be given unto you. When he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things that the Pharisees was worrying about or the people was worrying about. They worried about their food. They worried about their clothes, what they were going to eat, where they were going to live. But lo and behold, Jesus said, your father knows that you need these things. So everything beyond the regular tithe, we're going to give right back. And let me say this, 100%. There won't be a cut for the light bill. There won't be a cut for the pastor. There won't be a cut for nothing. I assure you, there won't be a cut for it. It'll all 100% go back to victims. I've had the wonderful opportunity. Now, obviously, we vet that. We don't want to just throw, you know, money out the window at just everything. But when those needs come... I promise you we have had people back and forth from Walmart to Fred's to wherever to personally go to and see about, uh, for instance, babies without milk, babies without diapers, families without food, on and on and on and on it goes without every cent. Now, is that the only thing we can do? No. You can also serve. You can help serve meals. That, I know Red Cross and I know at First Baptist, they've been feeding the first responders. You could, uh, you could do things like that. Uh, again, we had so much stuff here, we had to just pile it up and move it out because we sent it to Restoration Church, everything we had left over, because we partnered with them and said, hey, you guys do this kind of stuff and you can do it well. Praise God. Be blessed. Everything else that we have, you're welcome to it. Uh, and so we've done that a number of ways. There's a number of ways you can give. Um, we have text to give. It's very simple. There's a screen that they can put up. Um, I've done that. I've, I do that myself. It's very easy. You've got to set it up one time with your debit card or credit, however you do it. Set it up one time, and then you can, after you set it up one time, you can just type in give and whatever amount. Or it might be you type the, the 50 or 100 or whatever it is that you want to give, and then the word give. But I think it's type give. It'll tell you on the screen. So that's one way. We also have the kiosk or set up for Irma Relief. Um, there's a link on, on our website. 
uh, we have a, a, a page set up. It's kind of like a GoFundMe, but there's no percentage taken out. All of it goes. So I want to urge you to be a part of that. And as we get ready to pray, I want to say, if you are here today and you are a victim that, that has been devastated, maybe you've been displaced and you got a ride here today, but your home is unlivable and you just can't make it, please take that hay card. It's in the seat right there. Every seat has one. It, it's not the big worship brochure, but this, it says hay on it. There's a place on the back that has a blank spot for prayer request. If you would give us your name and a good phone number and or an email address, physical address, we would appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch with you this week, probably tomorrow. And we want, to, we want you to know, we want the community to know that we have unusual compassion when it comes to this kind of stuff. We, someone says, well, shouldn't we preach another type of message? I said, I don't know what we could preach any better than this that has just happened is pretty unusual. You say, well, we live on the... No, no, I've lived here for 22 years, and I had never seen one as devastating as this. So stand with me, if you will. I want us to pray together and give you this opportunity to give. And then our closing host will be coming. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. Lord, I pray, Lord, there may be those here that have the means, oh Lord, to give much heavier than others. I pray, God, that we would just be moved with compassion to do whatever it is that we can do to make things better. I ask you in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated if you can.